Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. And we have a huge library of podcast episodes. We've done more than 100, all driven by the philosophy that in business, it's all about making a positive impact every day. And in any successful organization, one area that is making huge impact is the sales organization. And if you look at some of the data out there around sales, it's really mind-blowing more than one in 10 jobs in America right now is a sales job. And if you look at performance within sales, there is a huge disparity. Top sales professionals are outperforming low performers 10 to one. They outperform on average, just the average performers two to one. So huge difference there. And this is the big one. The investment in sales teams all in more than $1 trillion a year, it's been estimated, is being invested in sales. So nothing more important to an organization than having exceptional sales performance. And I'm really excited to talk with our guest today about how to unleash the full potential of sales. Stacy Hall has coached thousands, that's right, thousands of entrepreneurs and how to attract sales, satisfaction, and success. She's a best-selling author, a TEDx presenter, and a leading social media marketing expert. She's the founder of Success with Stacy Hall and of the groundbreaking social media marketing training program, Go For Yes, which has helped thousands of people attract more sales, customer and employee satisfaction, and success. She also has a new book, Selling from Your Comfort Zone, The Power of Alignment Marketing. And we're going to get in and talk with Stacy about what is really behind exceptional selling. Stacy, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Dan, I couldn't be happier to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So I want to just look back in terms of your trajectory and, and really getting passionate and really focused on this area of exceptional sales performance. What originally ignited this focus around sales excellence and ultimately selling from your comfort zone? I had an epiphany about uh, a number of years ago, we'll say, my father was in sales uh, by default. He couldn't find a job in the field he wanted. And so everybody said he was great with people and he should go into sales. And he did. And I grew up listening to the tapes. You know, back then there were cassette tapes, motivational tapes, get out there, go do it, how to overcome objections, this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, it left a mark on me because my father would wake up every morning excited to get out there and he'd come home every afternoon or most afternoons to be fair and be dejected. It, it, things didn't go the way they were supposed to go according to the trainings that he was following for all these years. And, you know, and then he'd have a big success and that would, everything yeah. would be okay again. And then long periods of nothing. Well, I didn't really 
think too much about that because I went into, originally my career was PR and marketing for other companies. But then I went out on my own 25 years ago as a coach, which meant I was in sales for myself. And I started doing a lot of the things that my father was taught to do and having the same kind of results. But at the same time, I was also doing personal growth work, Dan. And I really began to understand the law of attraction from a quantum physics standpoint. And so long story short, when I started realizing that you get what you focus on, one day I had an epiphany, why would I be focusing on getting objections and overcoming them? Why don't I just focus on how to get people to say yes without manipulation? And that's when everything changed for me. Interesting. So there's the human factor and then there's the experience you had growing up and, and seeing your dad and, and going through the ups and downs. But then you mentioned a little bit of science coming into this too. So it is kind of a blend. It, it all, you know, you'd say factors collided into what I would say they broke apart myths and I got to truths for myself. And as you said, I've, I've taught these truths to thousands of people and they're all having the same results. And what really drove my passion to share this is I joined a network marketing organization about 15 years ago. And so, of course, I started researching how many people are successful in network marketing and who are the successful leaders. And did you know that only 3% of all people in network marketing, this is a recent statistic and it hasn't changed in years. It's still the same. 3% will make more than $200 a year in network marketing. And it's especially concerning now when so many people are, you know, the great resignation, people leaving corporate jobs to go out on their own and being taught skills over and over again that are not going to make them successful. So I'm a driven woman to be able to say, wait, Wait, there's another way that you can be a human being, let go of the pushy, spammy, salesy approaches that have come to be associated with the sales industry and actually feel self-satisfaction and give soul satisfaction to others in the way that you treat them. There is hope. And there's a lot of sales professionals out there. We, we talked about the numbers and it's probably never been a more challenging time either, Stacy, has it, than trying to be successful in sales today. What have you seen in terms of the evolution of what's going on out there on the front lines of sales and what's making it so challenging, especially thinking about just what's been evolving over the last five to 10 years? There's a lot of factors that make it difficult. I mean, first off, there's so much more stress, right? Everyone's so much more stressed. Everyone's so much more distrustful. So that whether you're in sales or not, that's the culture right now. So you add on to that this sense of why would I talk to a pushy, spammy, salesy person when I can just go online and do my research myself and just buy and not have to deal with human beings. So that's one factor. 
is it's so much easier to get anything we want. Even, you know, it used to be you needed to have a salesperson to call on corporations and there were purchasing departments and you made relationships with people. Well, now you can just go online and get bulk orders from anybody, you know, and discount pricing from anybody without really having to talk to a human being. So then how do human beings who are choosing to make their living being representatives from companies, how is it that they can get their word and their message out? Well, in this point, if we are simply reps for a company, there really is no reason for us to exist because the company has its own websites. But if we become folks who learn how to tap into our skills, our experience, our resources, our compassion, our core values, and our mission, like really turn what we do in sales into our calling. If we can come from that place, and we've heard this word so many times, don't sell, be of service. Being of service is coming from the place where you have real experience overcoming the challenges of the prospects you want to serve. Now you've become valuable because your personal experiences could not be replicated on a website alone. I hope that made sense. Oh, it absolutely does. And it actually relates to something I've been thinking about, which is, um, you know, so much focus and emphasis uh, comes in around a sales process and there's all these tools, there are systems right? And there's that part of the sales dynamic. But then there is uh, this area called talent. And I, and I sometimes feel like that factor is overlooked, that, that there is a development, there's a, a true professional skill and talent that comes into play in terms of success. And it's not just about looking at the numbers, looking at the metrics, putting systems and process into place. There still is the need to reach full potential in terms of the talent of the individual. Would you, would you agree with that? I do agree with you. Um, and, and I love that you use the word talent, which is not a word that I'd normally associate, but I think, I think that if we look at talent as our skill and our experiences and the resources we have access to, to be able to share, then yeah, why, why not call it talent? And cause that's the human part of us. It's the uniqueness that we bring to anything we do. Now, I am a marketing professional and you have a marketing background as well, as you were talking about that. And one of the things that is so critical is that relationship between marketing and sales teams. What's your perspective on really drive success there? And how does this idea of alignment marketing come into play? Can you share some examples? I sure can. Um, and first off, one of my favorite topics is how do you bring the sales and the ops departments together? And um, I have a personal story to share. I worked for a large package delivery company uh, years ago when I was in the corporate world. And that was actually my job. I was responsible for 17 states. And there was a lot of tension at the time between sales ops in these different areas and 
operations ops in those same areas. And it boiled down to the salespeople were incentivized by how many more packages they could bring into the station. The ops folks were incentivized by how quickly then how much more efficiently they could process those packages. So ops would get the system under control and start winning awards and then sales would be bringing in more packages that would throw that whole thing off the window. So as one was winning, the other one was losing and vice versa. And I know this is very common in many companies. Sales is focused on one thing, ops is focused on another. It's really important that if we don't have a department that is responsible for coordinating and ensuring there's alignment, as you said, between the two missions, a bridge between them, they're not going to see eye to eye. And there will always be this friction in the organization. In the same way, even an entrepreneur has personal friction there. How do I work on the business, meaning getting my systems in place, my strategies in place to be able to deliver what I've sold while still trying to sell? And so there comes a point where more attention must be focused on how do I get these two aspects of my business in alignment based on my ultimate goal, my core, and my mission. Yeah, those are some interesting examples. And from my own experience, just looking back again at, at a marketing function, working with sales, you know, sales is the ultimate quantitative measurement scenario, right? You've got either quotas, targets, you've got actual results, and there's that constant monitoring and, and the constant pressure you were talking about earlier. And where I've found the relationship really gets improved, enhanced is where there's this transparency where if the marketing team, these other teams can effectively communicate that they too have specific measurements. So they're they're all in, that there's accountability, right? As opposed to, oh, oh, no, you're the ones that are carrying the target on your backs. We don't have one. But if you come forward and say, no, we've got metrics we're, we're totally all in on continuous improvement to help support you and your success. It seems to make those relationships go better. Oh, I 100% agree. And <laughs> what I've always found funny is that departments outside of the sales department think they're not in sales. I mean, the purpose of a business, no matter how large or how small, is to make money. Otherwise, it's a hobby, right? Or a nonprofit. And even nonprofits need to make money to perform their services. Every department in a company is in sales. Everything they're doing is making it possible for the sales department to be able to make those sales and keep those customers or clients. So um, it's just, I've never seen the division. And I believe that the companies that perform the best have made that clear to every employee of the organization. We're all here and we're all here to make sales. Each of us has a different part of that process. And that alignment, I think, is what makes a very successful company versus one that is constantly struggling. 
Absolutely. Now, I've talked to a lot of company founders, entrepreneurs as part of the podcast, and uh, their own journey is often really shaped by their own individual perspective, their sense of values. Stacey, where do you see personal values coming into um, really achieving sales success? Before anything else, I always say the sale doesn't start with the prospect, it starts inside me and each of us. And if we also take this concept of everyone in a corporation or organization is in sales in some way, shape, or form, supporting it or actually being the person on the front lines, before we make a commitment to join that organization, we must know what our own core values are and is the mission of the organization in alignment with my own core values. If it's not, how could I ever have enough belief in what I'm selling to be able to perform at my optimum best? I will always be resisting some aspect and that resistance can be felt between departments, between us and our prospects, it can be felt. We feel it. We know we're not where we're supposed to be. We're just going through the motions. But when we are in a place that makes us feel that our values are appreciated, honored, respected, and we have a way to experience them and express them, we're fully alive. And that passion and that aliveness translates into empathy. And empathy translates always into more sales. Yeah, I think that is so true, even from a B2B sales perspective. And so many of us uh, that have been involved in sales conversations, a sales process leading to a decision that we have to make, it's so transparent, isn't it? If, if that person that you're dealing with you, you can tell if they're not totally personally passionate and bought in, right? It's really tough to hide that, you know, versus the going through the motions you talked about. It's just not something that you can conceal. No, not at all. I think we've all had the experience of working with somebody who's just like phoning it in, as they say, or, um, you know, just let, you know, let's take the easiest route and get out of here as quick, quick as we can. And as I said, the difference in these days, because if a, if a salesperson is not feeling fully supported by every other aspect of the company, the people as well as the structures and the policies, if they have to leave some part of themselves outside the door, let's say, and I've been talking about this for years, when they have a conversation with a prospect or even somebody who's become a customer or client, they're not able to fully express themselves. And that holding back would really prevent them from being able to be sincerely, completely interested in the prospect's problems or the client's problems. They'll, there's just... We'll just say they're, they're only part of themselves there and it can be felt versus when two people get together and there's this complete meeting of the minds and the hearts 
and an understanding and a desire to help and the ability to have the resources behind you that can help, everything's beautiful. And I'm, I'm, I'll just share one experience for me of this. And, and this is more from, I think anybody in a corporation knows what I'm talking about. So I'm going to take this more to a, towards an entrepreneur since there's so many more entrepreneurs out there. I had a client that I had been working with for many, many years. We had a great relationship. They had not used the product that they purchased. And when they finally went to use it many months after it was supposed to be used, it wasn't working. In my opinion, if it's still fresh, it's in the box, you know, it's, it was never used. There should be no reason for it to not work. Why can't the company take it back? Well, I didn't, my company wouldn't take it back. They stood by their policy. This person had been a client for many, many years. I wound up replacing that in order to be able to preserve the relationship mm -hmm. because it was somebody that I wanted to keep a relationship with. But you can bet that my love of that company was diminished to some extent. And truly, ever since, I know that my actions, I, I, I have the ability to represent a few organizations. Other organizations have taken priority because mm -hmm. I don't yeah. feel like I'm going to be fully supported. I know the areas where I will be, but, you know, God forbid there should be something a little outside the lines, I'm not going to get supported with that. So I choose other companies where I will. Yeah. And because that sales experience is, is something that's so ubiquitous, uh, we, we all can experience it. We might be in sales ourselves, but we're also customers also in our own separate way. And so because of that, uh, there are, as you know, just a myriad of opinions. There's a reaction if you said, hey, what, what do you think about sales as a profession? And it just seems like everybody's got an opinion and perception about sales. Today, Stacy, what do you think are some of the most common and significant misperceptions about uh, sales professionals? Oh, and I've done studies on this, so I know that these aren't coming out of my head and I've got them right at the top of my, of my thoughts. Well, first off, there are tons of studies that if you ask, what are the words people associate with salespeople? Pushy, salesy, spammy. Like those are the words. And the number one word, pushy. And that comes from, it's not a misperception. It comes from all the training for all the years of how to overcome objections that salespeople are taught. They don't listen and ask questions and, and I'm not speaking about all salespeople. I know some of you are really great at this. But the sales training teaches the minute they say this, you respond with that. So folks who rely on that scripting, that's exactly what they'll do, which leaves the prospect feeling like they were not heard, not acknowledged, what we want to be doing instead is we, when someone says they have an objection, it's about asking, can you say more about that for me? Not being so ready to tell them why their opinion is wrong or their experience is wrong. 
And so in a nutshell, every negative thought pattern about sales that is out there, you can trace back to somebody who had an experience with a salesperson where they did not get listened to. And so then it's really interesting. I'm laughing because it's it's rather, it's funny, ironic, sad. When people need to go into a sales position because of what's happening in the world, they're already resisting their self because they don't want to be that person. Yeah. And, but that's what they're being taught to do. And so this is leading to more and more people feeling like failures because they don't want to get that tougher skin. They don't want to be the person who puts the foot in the door as it starts to get closed. And that's what I put in my book, Dan, is how to avoid being that person and what to do instead to have people want to talk with you, want to open up to you, want to share with you what they're concerned about and have you help them get over that concern without being prepared to overcome objections. Yeah, I was thinking about our academic experiences and just even uh, going through business schools, out first jobs, really jobs. Think about it, Stacey. Uh, we have courses in all these other academic disciplines. We don't really have courses specifically around honing great listening skills. I, I, if we put more time and attention into that, we would avoid some of the pain and the challenges you talked about. I am, My degrees are in PR, marketing, advertising, radio, and television production. And I learned sales on the job, as they say. I never had a communication class. Now, I took some psychology classes and social behavior classes. And that's where I got some awareness of what to do. But it really, it was for me, learning how to listen came through going through personal growth development classes and courses and programs. And also probably a lot of self-reflection as you went through an experience, right? Depending on how the the outcome went and looking back and going, okay, what would have I done differently? What did I take from this to get back? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's what led me to get into the personal growth classes was (laughs) something's not working here. There's, you know, can I, can I improve the way that I'm communicating with people? Yeah. Well, you've talked a bit about the, the power of relationships and effective sales being all about building healthy and productive relationships. Can you share a little bit more about that? Um, yes, I can. I'm just looking at where I want to start with this. <laughs> a healthy relationship is one where both parties see each other as human beings. I would say that starts there. That the person who is wanting to make the sale shows up as a fully well-rounded human being rather than simply a billboard for the company. And folks might be saying, well, how do you do that? Well, in this age of social media, it's pretty easy because you're going to get Googled. You can just expect it. If you start to meet somebody on social media, 
to begin a relationship, they're going to go check you out. And what you're posting about, not only do you want to post about some personal stuff, not too personal, save that for private groups, but you also want to talk about your vision and your purpose and your mission and why why you're doing the work that you do and how it relates to you as a human being. Like posts and lives and stories around that are what people want to read. They want to read. They don't want the, the resume bio. They want to see you talking about your passions and your purpose and your calling. So that's the first thing that anybody in sales, I would say, look at your social media communication. If it's mostly billboarding, meaning information that they could get off of a TV commercial or the company's own social media page, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're hiding behind the company's product rather than coming out and being a human being. And if a company tells you you're not allowed to do that, they're really shooting themselves in the foot by not allowing their salespeople to show up as individuals, you full human beings with a heart and a mind and experiences. And on the other hand, we must give space to the people we are wanting to have as future clients to give them the opportunity to tell us about their life. And and this process I talk about in Selling from Your Comfort Zone, and I did not invent it. This came from many different top social media experts. There's a process that leads to sales every time. You first build your audience amongst people that are very much like you, that have the problems now that you used to have that your products or your services can solve. And it's very easy to find these people now. They congregate in groups. They follow other influencers who are talking about these topics. Easy to find these folks. Far easier than ever before. Then you start engaging with them around what's important to them. So that means go check out their Facebook profiles, their LinkedIn profiles, their YouTube, wherever you you see what they say about themselves and ask questions about them. First, spell their names correctly. I can't even begin to tell you how many pitches I get and my name is spelled incorrectly on the first pitch. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that that's painful. Well, and I know I'm going on a little bit here. I hope that's okay, but this is my soapboxes. The name is spelled correctly there on social media. Don't give me this BS that auto, you you didn't catch the autocorrect. Spend a minute. Make sure your autocorrect didn't autocorrect it incorrectly. Then ask me, like, don't get on LinkedIn and say, I saw your profile. I'd love to know more about you. Uh, I have a pretty developed profile. That's a... Lots of experience listed there. Lots of recommendations, testimonials. I post every day an article or a tip. All my groups, all my interests are there. What more do you want to know? Like, could you not have spent a couple of minutes and asked me about something specific about any of those? 
So you can see, Dan, I'm like, this is what it means to have a healthy relationship. Yes, yes. Okay? If, if you want me to work with you, don't make me do the work for you. Go figure something out about me and ask me about that. Show me you care that I exist. And uh, I'm going to leave it there for right now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's all about uh, that authenticity and presenting that 360 degree view of yourself. I really liked how you were talking about that. Become three-dimensional, not just one-dimensional in terms of the resume and uh, doing the homework. It's just down to the basics. So in addition to that, great perspective on relationships. Stacy, what's the best piece of business advice you have received? The best piece of advice that I received is I'm going to go back to my dad. Like I've received a lot of things have reinforced and it was watching my father attempt to be somebody he wasn't in order to follow the sales training he got and what it did to his spirit. I know that's probably not what you were expecting me to say. It's the truth that that had such an impact on me because my mother worked um, for a you know, company uh, so she was out of the house from, you know, seven in the morning till six at night. My dad being in sales, he was the one who was home when I got home from school and my sister got home from school and we would spend a lot of time talking about things. And I, I'm just going to say that left a mark on me. So when I started seeing it in other people, it was important for me to trace back where is this coming from? Why are so many people who are passionate about people? They are people, people. Why are they becoming deflated, dejected, feeling like failures when all they want to do is help people? And so that was the best piece of advice was go figure that out, Stacy. And I was able to trace it back to the training. And so I don't do that training. I don't follow that training. And then I was able to find people who I mentioned in the book, Selling from Your Comfort Zone. I I always say I put the bones in the book and the people who are practicing what I've been sharing with you and doing it very, very well for many years. Many of these people, you might've heard of some of them like Jim Britt or Tom Schrader, or Schreider, I think I, I pronounced that wrong. I apologize, Tom. But there's many others that have just quietly been doing mav- marvelous sales training and producing many millionaires in the world of sales by staying true to their core values, staying true to who they are, and teaching people how to listen for who other people are. Yeah, that is very powerful advice. It all comes back to just really knowing yourself and being true to yourself. Yeah, that's that's really special. So there's so much going on in the world today. Stacy, we've talked about some of the challenges, the stressors, but when you look ahead, when you think about the future, what makes you optimistic? Everything I, we've been talking about today, the fact that you're asking about this concept of core values in sales gives, thrills me with joy. The fact that the book, which has only been out uh, a week now, uh, is going like gangbusters because this is a message that people have been waiting. They've been waiting for permission 
to be themselves. And once the genie is out of the bottle, can't put it back in. And I see the shift. I see this desire of people to stop pretending they're an ad and allow themselves to be fully who they are, to be vulnerable, to be in a relationship with people. And, and maybe it is because we've been kept away from people face-to-face, person-to-person, in-person for a while, that there's this desire to really get out and build relationships. And I'm going to focus on that as being the best part of the horrible stuff that has happened, you know, that none of us would have ever wished would have happened. And if there's got to be a silver lining, I think it's the desire to build true relationships with folks and using social media, the internet, to be able to do that more authentically. That's what gives me hope. Yeah, yeah, that that definitely is a positive and, and inspirational. So as we start wrapping up our conversation, Stacey, do you have any other final suggestions for leaders that are really trying to get stronger, more sustainable sales growth? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I love the topic of leaders who develop leaders and not followers. So that's the first. I'm going to say, if you want to be a leader in this day and age, please throw out the word duplication. And Dan, I might have just shocked you a little bit because that word duplication, you want to create strategies that people can duplicate. Well, yeah, if they're robots. What happened to everyone is unique, right, Dan? Don't we hear this all the time? Be who you are. You're unique. No one can be you. Well, if no one can be me and I tell somebody, just duplicate what I'm doing, I'm setting them up for failure. And me too. As a department head, as a team leader, what I want to be able to do is have empathy for their past experiences. Now, I'm talking to leaders wanting to develop Mm -hmm. leaders. Empathy for why did they choose to be here with me on this team, in this department. Empathy for what has been their set of life experiences that has brought them here. Empathy for the personal goals that they have so that I can determine, will those goals be able to be achieved here through this team? Because maybe they won't. And having enough caring to be able to say that to a person right from the start, if that's your goal, what was it that had you decide to be here? Because that's not going to be a direct path to that goal. If they are on a direct path with you to their goal, then co-creating, how are they going to bring their personal self to the organization's mission and goals? and create their own strategy that they can duplicate for themselves. And I I hope that that translated. It's I actually wrote an ebook on this about the four E's that go into developing other leaders when you're a leader yourself. It's free. I don't I can get it to you to give to your audience if you'd like. That that that's incredible and it's it's the power of just optimizing each individual's potential. Uh, I, I love it. Uh, it's spot on. So Stacy, really appreciate you joining today, sharing your passion 
for sales excellence, some of the key concepts from your new book, Selling from Your Comfort Zone, and really inspiring all of us that success is out in front of us and it's there for the taking. Thanks again for joining. It has been a pure joy. Thank you so much again for inviting me. And a reminder to all of you to please go out and give us the gift of feedback, rate and review the podcast. You can do that easily on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcast. Excited for my new book, which is coming out here very soon. Stay tuned for more details. The Impact Makers, Voices of Leadership. So I'll be providing some more information on that. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.